Hello, welcome to another Tim Talk podcast by Celtic Down Under. I'm your host, Jared, and joining me tonight is Alan Buckley. How are you, Alan? I'm all good, Jared. And yourself? Yeah, pretty good. We're getting you back on for another chat, Alan, because uh, you've been on previously where we did a Spotlight Series podcast about your Facebook group that you run. So do you want to give a, that a bit of a plug? Yes, yeah, so it's Celtic YNWA up on Facebook, um, and it's aimed on... Celtic fans and it's family orientated group up on Facebook. And then we've um, also had you on previously, just in one of a couple of our regular podcasts, but it's been over a year, so I thought it's a good chance to get you on and, you know, people can have a bit of a, learn a bit about you as a Celtic fan and then we can, you know, discuss the upcoming season at the end of the podcast. So we'll crack on straight into it. So how'd you become a Celtic fan, Alan? I was born into being a Celtic fan. I I was reared up in a Man United house. So it's the only one in the whole house to come a Celtic fan. So it's it's something I have pride in and just being the only Celtic fan in the whole house and just growing up watching Celtic games. I remember if there was a you know a game I'd run up to my room and get the Celtic games up on the telly. So I that's going back years and years ago. Yeah, that's great. And even streamed them. I remember even trying to stream them could have been difficult years ago. Um, even the old sky boxes, big old chubby sky boxes with cards where you take them in and out. That's fair effort. That is so. Well done. Not not becoming a red devil. That's all I've got to say. That's just years ago, Jay. Jared, you know? Yeah. Yeah. All right. So what's your take on the club structure at present? We have Andrews coming as manager. Do you think that we need a director of football at Celtic? Well, we survived years without a director of football. I think what needs to happen is the likes of a backroom team. It's like when there's an end of an era, there needs to be a new kind of era. And I think the backroom team is they're over a good century now and it just needs to kind of just move on and that's what I think. I think that's where Ange is going to struggle. It's going to be the, the whole backroom team right behind him. I think that needs to change and that's just my own opinion. A director of football, I heard it. Yeah, it'd be good but do we actually need it? Probably not. We can do without it. Um, I think it'd be up to the manager if the club let the manager sign them instead of Dermot Desmond, who used to make the signings. It's funny, though, because you said it's your opinion and the two of us have got different views on this. Like, for me, I would have a director of football, but the only reason I would have that is because that person can look at the bigger picture and building pathways to bring our young players and the Colts team coming in, those guys through get senior experience into the first team. So that's the sort of thing where I think a director of football would come in handy at Celtic, but at the same time, you're entitled to your opinion. You don't think that, mm. and you think it's the back room. So talking about that... I, I, you- I think it's a bit about, yes, we do need one, we do need one, but at a club, if you were going to then say a director of football, then you're going to say, are the club still going to make the signings? Are they going to listen to the director of football? And that's the big issue then that comes along. Yeah, 100%. Like, that's 
where they need a clear definition of who's responsible for what tasks. But going back to something you just said about the backroom team, so yeah. are you referring to Kennedy and Strachan yeah. or are you referring to yeah. everyone, including like Stevie Woods and all the strength and conditioning coaches? Well, yeah, I think it's majority. I think it would be Strachan and Kennedy would be my main two um, who would change, especially for Ange. Um, I, I think the rest, the strengthening coach, coaches, Stevie Woods is good. His record speaks for itself, the goalkeeping record. And you look what he's done in the past, you know. Um, yes, you're going to have fans saying at the minute with the keepers and stuff like that, but that's not down to the goalkeeping coaches. That's down to the keepers. There's a nice saying over here in Australia, you can't polish a turd. So if the goalkeepers we've got are shit, then he can end up that way. So if Barkas, we call him on our podcast, Cabbage Hands, because he can't catch a ball, but you've got him and you've got Bain as your top two keepers, there's, there's a bit of an issue there. Definitely, definitely. Yes, and it's kind of strange to think about. A couple of years ago, you had Bain as your number third keeper and now he's challenging for fourth spot along with Barkask. It's always a rotating. It's ridiculous. Between the two. Yeah. So it's kind of just shows you where are we going forward with Celtic, you know, and where the future is. Yeah, it's a bit of a weird one, but I'm hoping there's... We all know with Ange coming in, it's not going to be a, a one-window solution. Realistically, he's going to need probably two or three windows. You need this one, you'll need the winter window, and then you'll need another window this time next year to yeah. fully have all his players in with backups because we realistically, we need starters. We need to have a backup who challenges them who would ideally be if you sell your starter, that person steps up to become your new starter and you sign another person to come through. That's what all his teams over here were like. He had a yep. starter and a backup at every position. We don't have that at the moment. So how do you think our recruitment has been over the last 12 to 18 months? Oh, oh you're going back uh, over the last 12, 18. I think um, some have been poor. I in the own view, because you look at last year, this time last year, you, you had Celtic fans calling centre-backs and goalkeepers, and okay, we got a goalkeeper, but centre-back, we got Duffy on long. But we let it out, so many people. You, if you go on to, let's say, the keeper situation, Fraser Foster, Craig Gordon, leave the club, we only bring in one player then, so you had two leaving and two, one coming into the club. So the recruitment in that kind of style has been absolutely poor in my own general view. This summer, it looks promising. Uh, under Ange, the players that's been brought in, you look at Adaba there, he looks brilliant. And I think he's going to be a big hit with Celtic fans. Yep, I agree with you on that front. Abada's going to be a good player for us. But yeah, going back 12 months, I thought we had a good window. Let's be honest. I'm not going to, no revisionism here. There's podcasts that if people want to go back and look, you'll hear me say, and I thought it was a really good window. Yeah. Like so I still challenge you back like, then. Like Sol, Duffy. There's, there's heaps of it – was, it was a good window, I thought, at the yeah. time. With hindsight, uh, it uh, didn't age well. <laughs> didn't work well mm-hmm. for us, but it is what it is. Like you're talking about the goalkeepers, but the same situation last year is we put Hendry out on loan. We let Simonovic go. 
and we only bring in Duffy. So it's exactly. the same sort of thing. You're downsizing your squad because we did have a really big squad, but we, then we never signed anyone to fill those holes in the squad. Yeah, exactly. And then I don't think injuries were taken into uh, consideration either. And I think if you were to look on the right mid situation, you look at James Forrest, there was nobody there to challenge James Forrest. You had uh, you had Fairpunk. Yeah, well, with Forrest, it was, um, he was one that I didn't expect, Alan, because like he's been a bit of an Iron Man for us. He, other than Ronnie's last season, he's been very fit for like a good five-year period there. So... He was at his best yeah. when he had Paddy Roberts challenging him, so either of them could start and the other one's a backup. And now you look at it and mm. go, he's got a barter there, so that could be the challenger that he needs to keep his spot, which is a great thing. But the other thing is I've always thought James E would eventually turn into a striker anyway. So maybe that could be mm. a possibility. I think he's could a good be. finisher in the box. I don't know if he has the natural instincts for it, but I always thought like when – he debuted under Lenny last time around, so the first time that there was potential there, he could have become a full-time striker. It's going to be interesting. He could be. He's, I, I get exactly where, you, where you're coming from. I think kind of just as a striker, but kind of on the edge of the box, kind of. Um, if I think James, he would too, as a, with two up front. Yeah, as a secondary striker. So you have your main guy and then him playing off them. That would work. In the same way Alan yeah. was playing off Edward last season. Exactly. Yes. That would that would do pretty well, I think. So what current players do you think will be moving on in the next six months? The next well, let's start. Bartask has to move on. Has <laughs> be a goalkeeper, I think, in my own view. I I think Edward is gonna be another one. And um, sorry to say, I think Christie's going to be another one. Who else? I think Christie, Edward, and Bartask, maybe Ben Griffiths as well, could be a possibility moving on. So you have your big men, big strikers. There's one more to add to that, Alan. And Champ. Yes. And the Champ. That's the one as well. Yes. See him in the Premier League going forward. I don't, I don't know what he, he could be in the Premier League, but what would his level be? Uh, I'd say a lower league team in the Premier League, um, yeah. the likes of a Brighton or an Aston Villa as a centre, centre defensive mid, what kind of he'd be good at. Yeah, it'll be yeah. interesting to see how it ends up. So that means if all those players are moving on, and we've touched on it already. What are the key priorities to strengthen now? Well, at the minute, I think a keeper is main priority. A right back is another one. Um, I think a striker as well. And obviously, I wouldn't say midfield. Yeah, I would actually say maybe another CAM um, with Christy kind of going and you're looking at Nicham. So maybe we're more in the midfield. We are downsizing so you have to kind of take that into consideration obviously a striker I'd kind of like to see Kevin Nesbitt off hips coming in as well yeah I agree with you on Nesbitt I've said that on a few of our pods that I'd have I'd bring him in but not as Edward's replacement I'd bring him in as Griffith's replacement 
Yeah, yeah. So that's um, where he would come in as like your, your second or your third string striker to develop and make that next step because I don't see him coming straight in to be a starting, starting be the main man at Celtic just yet. Um, yeah. In the same way that when um, Scotty McDonald come in, he came in but he wasn't the main man as a striker straight away. Yeah, it took – it was development over time. Yeah. Um, yeah, no, I definitely agree with you as a Griffiths replacement, Kevin Nesby. Yeah. I think the um, the key priority right now is we need a right back and another yeah. centre back. They're the two for the me back, at the yes. moment. And then once – if Edward moves on, then we need – definitely need that – a striker, one or two strikers – we need a left winger, but apparently we're being linked with one anyway at the moment in Christian Lovridge out of Croatia. So if he comes in for four and a half, five million euro or whatever it is, then that is a very good, very, very good signing, I would say. So Alan, who would be your all-time favourite Celtic player other than Henrik Larsson, of course, and why? Alan Thompson. Um, and always has been. Uh, and he even stands above... Henrik Larson, your Chris Sutton's, your John Hartson's. I just l- loved Alan Thompson. I think I was a story growing up and the way he took on challenges as he was younger. And I think that always just hit home with myself. And I always loved his favourite left foot and his free kicks. And I always just admired Alan Thompson to the fullest. It's an interesting one. I haven't heard that answer on the podcast before. So, Tomo, yeah, quality player. Hadn't thought of that in this end. This one's so nice. Yeah. So, speaking of that then, obviously, Tomo's your favourite. Who would be your all-time top five players that you've seen play for Celtic in your lifetime? Clearly, Thompson oh, will be one of them. Yes, Henrik Larson would be probably the next one down under. Alan Thompson. Chris Sutton, as I said, Bobo Balde would be another one. Oh, does uh, Paul McStay I grew up and watched as well. Yep. Um, and I'm going to go with Packy Bonner as well. Now, this is a goalkeeper in there. <laughs> I had to add a goalkeeper. You've got five plus a bench. There you go. Paul McStay off the bench. <laughs> I was even going to try to do a, I was trying to do a five aside in my head, you know. So Two mids, a striker, <laughs> a defender and a goalkeeper. Yep. Exactly. Yeah. Yes. Ah, good. So, what would yeah. what are some of the most memorable games that you've seen Celtic play, and what is so memorable about those games to you, Alan? Um, the most memorable one was my first ever game at Celtic Park. Uh, it would have been Jackie McAmara's testimonial. It was five oh six, and that was my first ever game at Celtic Park. So it's always stands out and mild from the rest of them. Is there any other games, um, though, other than that, that stand out to you as well? Oh, there's a lot of you can go on to the Barcelona, Manchester, United, um, the Old Trafford one. There's been several different ones. You had the Rangers games as well. Obviously, I wasn't at the Rangers games. Um, maybe one day i get over and see one. No, you won't because Rangers are dead, mate. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> um, cheap yeah. shot. I still can't see them. Still can't see them. <laughs> oh, no, um, this is gonna be, you're gonna be the youngest Celtic Dar I've ever met. 
doing that sort but of that, better. It, it's just the force of habit, even saying Rangers now. It's just like you're just used to if it's a corner shop, you'll always say the name. Do you know that type of way? Even though it might not be true. Yeah, it's it's funny though, because like it's like they're trying to sneak the old the old firm term back in as well. Like you've got all the media, you've got these YouTube shows, you got all this sort of stuff. And it's like, oh, no, upcoming old firm derby. And I'm like, it's not. It's a Glasgow derby. Old firm died in 10, almost 10 years ago now. Yeah. 2012. It's almost been 10 years. I remember exactly where I was when that news come through. It was the best ever. Yeah. It was brilliant. Um, And I I remember myself, it was just Valentine's Day, wasn't it? It was happening on a, February the 14th, yep. some years ago. I was, driving, I was driving up to see my sister and my young nephew at the time. wasn't even one years old and I was driving between Sydney and Newcastle because that's where my sister was living. I was actually near the stadium where Tom Rogic played with Celtics on, on the Central Coast. I was driving near that town and near Gosford okay. and the news come through and I was like, yes, how good. <laughs> I tell you what, Lewis, down here, you'll be kind of shocked. I was working in a flower shop, and, of course, the busiest day of the year is Valentine's Day, so I was, I was out down helping deliveries, and it came in on the radio, so I remember it quite clearly, and I had a couple of several people, see what happened, see what happened, and then I was, no, 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 watch the news, you'll be delighted. But there you go. Yeah. Uh, brilliant. The joys of Celtic, being a Celtic fan, I suppose. That's it. All right, so we'll go to the last question about you, Alan, before we talk about the upcoming season. So if you could have Celtic sign one player that you have seen play, other than Messi and Ronaldo, who would it be and why? Kulabali. And why? He's uh, just a strong physical defender. I think that's what Celtic needs, so... I think something like Kulabali would be uh, ideally. Obviously, his rage is down too or not like that. But, um, is, yeah, we're not I'll talking just... about finances here. To quote our Aussie Lord and Saviour, Ange Postacoglu, we're not, um, we're not talking about wages. I'm a fo- He's a football manager. <laughs> sign anyone. You're a fan. Sign anyone. Kulabai, bring him in. He's got a bit of the Bobo look about him too. Happy days. Yeah. Happy days, exactly. Yeah. I'd love to see him. I'd love to see something like that. Back to the old physical centre-backs. We had the Van Dyke as well. Blah, 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 lay down. So uh, it seems like each year we kind of come up with one good centre-back that's real strong and physical. Well, it's funny you say that because something I've been thinking about a lot is Martin O'Neill days. You look across our team and they were all six foot and they were big strong and there was like multiple leaders you didn't have to have they all didn't have to have the captain's armband but you had a bunch of international captains international vice captains guys who have been captains at other clubs like you bring Lenny in he doesn't have to be the captain because you've got other guys there doing that role you've got Chris Sutton coming in you've got John Hartson coming in these guys have captain like had captain clubs before or that sort of stuff so it was just like Unbelievable, the size, you know, Malby, those sort of guys. And so, like, look at the leadership and look at the size, even in the midfield. And then you look at us now and it's like, sorry, five foot five or whatever he is, a barter, five foot seven, Kalmak, 
a generous 5'10", he's listed as. I would say he's probably 5'8", yeah. 5'9". So you look at it and go, and then you look at Rangers last season, and they just beat us up in the midfield. And I'll put it down to Arebo, 6'2". You've got other guys in there that are height. Kent, it's got to be like almost six foot. They've got size in their midfield. And mm. that's something that I've been thinking about a bit because I'm like, is that something we need to do? Do we need to bring in a bit more size, like height in the midfield as well as football ability? Or do we need to bring in people who are bastards who don't mind leaving studs in people? Yeah, I think, and again, if you if you want to look at that, Last year, you look at the average age. You had a, an average age of Celtic being about thirty in the uh, squad wise, and you had a Rangers uh, twenty five. So it's kind of there's a bit different. The younger, the fitter. Um, team they were a lot younger, and they had experience as well. Right, the Celtic they did have the experience, but then they had youth, so they didn't have that, that kind of gap. middle. Yeah. Right? And that was the gap. That was the little gap in the midfields between Celtic and Rangers. That's, yeah, I agree with yeah. you on that element. It's what we've got at the moment is we've got the experience guys 30-odd, but then 20, 27, 28 through 30-odd, and then you've got those 18, 19, 20-year-olds coming through. But there's that gap of 20, 22 to 26 sort of range. There should be those yeah. guys who have got that 200 first-team games under them that we just don't have. Exactly. And I think that was the big difference uh, last season. So what are you expecting from the season coming up? Let's, let's see some short-term goals in the first first 11 fixtures or whatever it is where, we, where we play. Jesus, the... you even, even have Rangers in that. Um, I think if you were to look at the first 11 fixtures and then you look at Ange and hopefully there's a new centre-back and a new keeper because Bartas, to me, is absolutely shocking. And I think if we keep Bartas, there's going to be, like last year, a rotation between the two keepers. Um, look, I'm going to say the first few features I fancy to be Hearts and so on. I think if Celtic were to go out, it would be ideal to win them all. Um, but... You're going to say, yeah, maybe to draw one or two and maybe you might kind of say, I'd love to say, what happens with the Rangers game? Do you win or do you lose? And it's at Ibrox and it's going to be Ange's first game, you know? So you're going to say, how's he going to cope with that? And obviously there's going to be new players there as well and how are they going to live up to that uh, derby? Yeah, I'm looking at it going at the fixture now and you've got yeah. us versus Hearts away and then you've got us home to Dundee. Then we've got St. Mirren yeah. at home. Then it's yeah. Rangers at Ibrox and then home against Ross County. So in those first, say, five games, the two toughest games are away. And away, you, exactly. And then you look at it yeah. and you've got... Aberdeen, Motherwell, and Hibbs all the way. So that's basically takes St. Johnson out of it, but that's probably the six strongest teams on paper, ourselves included. Then, you've got, then you have Hearts where Craig Gordon's down unbelievable yeah. and highly conceded as well. Yeah. So so that's what I'm looking at going with. Probably the of the six strongest teams on paper, we have the other five of that top six away from home in our first 
that lot of fixtures. So realistically, I reckon in that first five games through to when we play Ross County. Yeah. I think if we can come out of there with 13 points, we'll be set up very well for the season ahead. Definitely. And And that's me saying win all the others, and if we draw at Ibrox, fine. At least they're not pulling any extra points away from us in that game. Yeah, 100%. Um, I, I'd go with a draw at Oibrox. I'd settle for the draw. Um, just not a defeat. hate defeats. Um, but look, as I said, I think it might be. Um, and I gave me views uh, due to players. And I think time, a lot of fans, and if you have fans listening or watching, you have to always think time is takes time. It's not going to happen overnight. It's it's going to be down the line that we're going to be looking at. And you kind of say you go to the January fixture, then you kind of say maybe Celtic will win that one at Celtic Park, you know, in paradise. And that's where I kind of see it as. Yeah. I think it's yeah. – um, I love that. I love you saying there, Alan, though. Time takes time. Perfect. <laughs> it's, it's, what, it's what it's going to be, though. It's – um. Yeah, it's. I don't expect Ange to come in, snap his fingers, and suddenly, you know, we're we're flying again and we're going for an invincible treble like what happened with Rogers. Like that was lightning yeah. in a bottle. Then let's be honest. I don't expect that to happen, but I'm hoping that by the time we get to the last eleven fixtures, or get to the split, it's still there to play for. If we get, if we blow them out and they fall apart. And we're 15 points ahead come the split. Fine. I'll be wrapped with that. I'll be doing cartwheels in my house or whatever. But I'm going to hold it to that one, Jared. <laughs> but I'll probably, probably break my neck if I tried. But anyway, but realistically, like if, but if, if we're not ahead of them by a mile, but if we get to the last, the split, five games to go, and it's there to play for, there's like three or four points in it, then. Yeah. I'll be I'll be getting real excited for it because Ange's teams. Yeah. I've said when I went on Axom and on our pod a few times that it always tends to be second year is better, and that's what I was saying earlier about it's going to be a three window job to get all his players in. Like the, I, ideally, then you, then you look at Celtic. Then the other side of it is the pressure. The you have a rolling contract, just a year rolling contract, so. It's it's a big task. I I see where you're at, but then you have to see where the club's at is a rolling. And as I said, it's gonna take time as well. Um, I see the three window gap. Um, where you're gonna need uh, the recruitment within three windows. Um, but then the pressure at Celtic, you must win, and it's a different kettle of fish, you know. Realistically, I actually. Having grown up a Celtic fan and been one my whole life and everything, I don't have my doubts. Like, Ange will be fine. Like, once he gets his players in and he's got his squad and the window's shut and there's stability there, I'm yeah. I'm still backing him to win it this season. I know he's good enough. He's got the runs on the board. He's won four domestic titles over here in Australia. He's won a Japanese domestic title. He's won an Asian Cup managing the Australian national team where every game you've got to win. Now, that's pressure. Playing at home, oh, winning, and winning your first ever. Well, in, 
The quarterfinal of the World Cup. Yeah. Uh, under and sorry, Jared, that's just sorry. Yeah. Yeah. And then in managing the World Cup against those teams, that's pressure. Like coming into pressure. coming into Celtic Park where you're expected to win. I don't think that'll phase Ange because he expects to win and he he's so hard on himself, he's his own worst critic. So us getting on his back us getting his back's not gonna be anything really that he's not already expecting of himself. So it's not like we're bringing in a Ronnie Dalio who doesn't who actually doesn't know what he's walking into and what the expectations are. Ange knows about it. He's been there when he was the national coach, coming to watch Rogic all the time, watching Milligan when he was at Hearts, watching guys like Bazanich when he was at at Hearts. Milligan was at Hibs actually, by the way. Looking at those sort of guys, he's, he'd know what, what it's all about. So I still think... 100%. 100%, Eric. Um, and as, as again, it'll be... I know he knows, and I know you know his record as much as I do, and he's done well, and his record speaks for itself. As, as again, it will take time, and um, it's not gonna, it might not be the first month or two. You might have a couple of losses here or there in the tough little games, but hopefully they'll bounce back, and hopefully maybe John Kennedy even might guide them to success along. They can gel something together. Just looking at the... I think the worst thing at the minute on the range is the style of football in the back line. Um, then we go through periods in football matches and it's not Ange, it's the football players uh, that's actually doing it. It's where they're messing it to the keeper, to the wing back, to the keeper. I think it was Preston. I don't know if you've seen the game against Preston. Yeah. And you, you had Bartask in goal on the right wing and you had your centre-back covering the goal. To me, it should have been reversed. I don't know if you remember that. Yeah, um, I know what you're talking about. It, it's just little things like that and it, the sloppiness of the passing. We lost a goal to West Ham due to it um, at the, last week. And it's just like you just need to stop that and you need to kind of drive the ball, ball forward. And no doubt Ange will stop that. So as again, I'd say it'll take a, a month or two to at least cut that out and the players were he has his kind of system in, installed because let's be honest, he's only in the door. So to to get used to a new system is going to take a bit of time as well. So maybe a month or two to the players actually get the whole system as well. And I'm just going to say what you're saying there, it's going to take a month or two. Mm. If we didn't wait on Eddie Howe, we'd be further along now than where we are. So 100%. I'll give an Ange yes. a free hit with the European qualifiers if we lose to Michelin or if we win that but then go go out the next round and end up in the Europa League. Fine. That's irrelevant. This season, I want to do well in the Cups and I want to win the league so we go straight in the Champions League group stages next year. That's the priority. And Ange needs yeah. to be backed and get his squad in. And his teams do concede goals. And they do yeah. concede some some silly goals at times because his keepers come up into no man's land and play as a sweeper and pass the ball. So you'll find there'll be times where Barkas will be up in the just near the halfway circle. And you'll be like, what's he doing up there with the ball? Basically being an extra player to, over, to help create the overload. 
but then he'll, or whoever the goalkeeper is, hopefully it's not Barkas. But just can I just say something there, Jared? I'm hoping it's not like Scotland versus Croatia where you had David Marshall up at halfway and he scored from the halfway line, you know? It's funny because um, I see people saying, oh, bring David Marshall in. And I'm like, did you not see what happened in the Scotland game? <laughs> if Ange wants him playing that far up the pitch occasionally, yeah, he doesn't have the legs yeah. to get back. <laughs> uh, he's, he's a good keeper, but he's um, he, then again, he can be liable at silly goals at times. Um, I'd rather have kept Craig Gordon than bring, bring Marshall in. Yeah, so I think another one, and it's like that. It's like I've seen bringing Randolph off, off West Ham as well because he wasn't getting his game and stuff like that. I've seen people saying it, and just like now he's hardly getting a look in. Yes, he's good international club level. He's just letting in silly goals. Do you know, he's bottling. Um, it. You know what he's starting to remind me of? He's getting into Massimo Taibbi territory. You know what I'm talking about with your family being Man United fans. Yeah, he come in, yeah, let a goal go straight through the bread basket, through his legs, and in. And after that, he was just making dumb mistake after dumb mistake after dumb mistake, and there's just no coming mm-hmm. back from it, exactly 100%. And it's, I think it's once you make one mistake, it's the conditioning, and that's down to the, the management can you condition and keep a player's head held right. And then again, you look at Celtic last year, and Let's say you had the likes of Oyer wanting to leaving and so many other players. Now, like Anne saying is like he's not going to force anyone to stay if you want to leave, they'll leave, you know. Um, so it's cool. I like what Anne's saying, saying straight away and looks very promising on my head. thing for me with goalkeepers is I like keepers who are a little bit nuts, like they're a little bit not quite right. They will put their head in and cop a boot to the face if need be to save a goal or that sort of thing. And I don't see Barkas doing that. He looks more like an accountant than a goalkeeper. So, um, and then you got Scott, Jeremy, and you got Scott Bain um, there, and I'm like, I can't see him doing it. Like, Connor Hazard's probably the most nuts goalkeeper we've got, and he's seemed, he seems pretty quiet sort of guy. Yeah, but even, even with the... If you look at it, three keepers, I'm not a keeper, man. So I like to kind of keep annoying what the keepers kind of do as well. And um, and I'm looking at the flaws of all three keepers and I'm like, come on, you can do better. That's skill by stuff. And it's simple. It's, it goes down to the likes of the goal kicks. It's going to the balls being kicked out. Bartas, if he kicks it on his right-hand side, nine times out of ten, the ball's kicked out of play. Um. So it's small little errors. It, the skill by errors. It's it's instead of kicking the ball long, you have a short option. You use the short option and move the ball up the pitch. Um, and it's these little things that Celtic need to. Ins- and that, it's not even mess with keeper to the defender, keeper to the defender. It's keeper to the defender to the mid and to attacking. My granddad always had a great saying: the best form of attacking games is not playing defensive; is attacking. And that's how you're going to score goals. Even if you're one up, you keep attacking, and that's how you're going to win. Uh, even with the, the balls on the cross, you cross them into the box at an angle between the defender, the penalty spot, and the keeper. Nine times out of ten, the ball's going to end up in the back of the net because they're very hard to defend because it has that kind of curve on it. 
It's funny you say that because you keep attacking, you keep attacking. Sounds like you're singing from the Ange him sheet already, Alan. Mm. I'm going to like Ange because uh, he is an attacking style manager, as you said it as well. He's not he's not known for the defensive style um, and he's not known for the defensive, even having key defensive players. It's more attacking the midfield and strikers. The way um, so yeah. the way his teams yeah. play, he had there's a nickname they caught had it from in Japan, which was the Aussie Bielsa. The way his teams tend to play is the best form of defense is attack, and how they'll do it is they'll press you, and they'll exactly. as soon as they lose the ball, bang, one or two guys are on you straight away, and That's win the it. ball back quickly. Then your defenders don't have to worry about their positioning. Your goalkeeper can afford to come up and make a pass if need be, and then get back into his area. So, yeah, it's going to be interesting. Yeah. It's exciting times ahead, especially for me, having seen Ange's career progress since 96 onwards. So, yeah, very exciting yeah. for me. Looking forward to what's ahead. And, yeah, I'm really yeah. looking forward to, yeah, the season. And I think, you know, we can get our title back even though some people aren't really giving us much chance at it. Yeah. And it, it's strange to think, Jared. Uh, it's an Aussie as a Celtic manager. Oh, it's so weird. Did you, ever, uh, did you ever think you'd ever see that kind of day? There was – I put up a post in our Facebook group, on the South Down Under group, and I said, who do you want to be the Australian uh, – to be the Celtic manager? If yeah. anyone could pick it, who would it be? And – Everyone's putting Eddie Howe and all these guys. I put up like David Wagner. He was my preference, right? And one guy, three months before Ange was appointed, sorry, no, it wasn't three months. It was about, yeah, two and a half months or something, about 10 weeks beforehand, put it up. A guy who's a stand-up comedian over here, Danny McKinley, he's actually commented in the group saying, Ange Postacoglu. And I wrote back, and I just put back laughing emojis, like, you're having a laugh, mate. And he goes, no, seriously, I I rate him. Get him in. Only person who called it. And I won't hear from anyone else who said they even knew who Ange was or that Ange would be the right person for it. Even I I, I laughed it off because I'm like, there's no way Celtic could look at an Australian. Yeah. So there's only one person that has officially called that. And everyone else, anyone else who tells you that they called it is bullshitting. <laughs> there you go. It's magic. And it? It, it just shows that anything can happen in this world. Um, and it's great. So, like, as again, we're sitting here and we're saying, oh, Celtic, a title race and it might be close, but we want and four or five points in an ideal world. That's great. Um, but in the other terms, you need to close the gap of 25. So if you're saying that shut the gap 25, so you're kind of saying half of that, which is about 12 points. Um, and that's ideal about three games, three, four uh, games. The easiest um, way, Alan, sorry to cut you off there. Easiest way yeah. is if we reverse what happened in the derbies last season, that's, yes. a, that's an 18-point swing straight away. Because... They don't get those nine points and we get them. So that brings it down to a seven-point margin. Yes. Wait, 100%. I see that, that side of it as well. Um, well, let's say if we can 
I think it's going to be a reverse, and I think the likes of Celtic could win at Ibrox and the likes of uh, Rangers win at Celtic Park. Um, so it, it'll be the reverse. Instead of winning at your home ground, you kind of win at your away ground. Yeah. Um, and I think Celtic have looked, and just going on last year's kind of basis, Celtics look more promising away than they did at home with the football. Um, and that that's that was just kind of strange, apart from the Astro Torfs stadium. Even yeah, even in the year we did nine in a row, we looked a bit more confident when we were on the road than at home. Yeah. So you look at when we played Lazio at home, and then you compare that to in Rome when we played over there. Our players, yes. you'd think, oh, they'd, they'd be a bit more cautious about it because Celtic had never won in Italy, and then suddenly, boom, their yeah. guys looked like they were they were six inches taller each, and they were just up and about. It was great to see. So, yeah, I think you're onto something there. Now, last question <laughs> for you, Alan. Super. Leo Connor, Luca, Luca Connell, Jonathan yeah. Afalabi. Barry Coffee. Jonathan Apalabi. And there's one other guy that we just signed both on Lowell or however you say it. Five young Irish guys at Celtic. Which yeah. ones of them do you think we could actually see break through this season? Uh, Jonathan Apalabi could be there. Uh, Luke O'Connell, maybe latter starts of the season, we kind of. He's on the fringe, kind of, I'd say. Um, yeah, it's just, they're all kind of on the fringe. There's at least two or three on the fringe. Because um, I've been a big, I'm a big, big believer in, I think Afalabi's got a good future in him and I want to see it happen at Celtic. Mm. So he's the sort mm. where I'd love to see him get a chance, but the one I think will break through. And that will mean we don't have to spend as much money or we can buy a better quality. If you've got Leo Connor breaking through at right back because yeah. he's played at right back and centre back before and defensive mid. So if he can break into the team in one of those three positions, but preferably at right back, then we only really have to go sign one starting quality guy and then he can be the backup. Yeah, and what I think it's going to happen, you're just going to sign a one right back this season so then you're going to struggle and then you're going to be players going to have fatigue and injuries so I can't see him having a bit of game time and then once he has that game time like for pong last year you make that spot yours you, you go out and you challenge for it and that's what he needs to do alright let's hope that happens because yeah we've got some promising young guys from you know the old Emerald Isle over there that we want to See breaking into the Celtic first team because that's something I've always seen growing up. I had a couple of close mates who are Celtic fans, Irish, and it's always been, oh, you see Robbie Keane, you see this guy, you see that, and they rattle off a bunch of guys who are Irish and playing at yeah. Celtic, and it's like that connection's always there, and I want to see the next batch break through. Yeah, and it'll be another couple of years when you see the, I reckon, the next couple of years, um, we went through a whole era of not producing uh, good, well, they are good players, but as if you want to say the likes of Roy Keynes and your Robbie Keynes, your Damien Duffs, 
I think that's the next batch and it's this youth and it's these teens now and these are going to be the next couple Irish stars and years to come. And we've got them at Parkhead, so let's break them into the squad and see how good they look in the hoops. That's it. That's it, 100%. All right, so thanks for joining us for this podcast, Alan. I really appreciate it. It's been good having a chat mm-hmm. to you. You've got your group, you've got your your Instagram, you've got your TikTok. Give them all a plug. <laughs> Get them all. So it's Boko Lad up on TikTok, B-U-C-K-O-L-A-D on TikTok. It's Celtic Ryan W-A on Facebook and on Instagram. It's Celtic uh, underline, underline Ryan W-A. Um, if you search Celtic Ryan W-A, it should pop up. And anyone on TikTok, make sure you check out Bucko Laddie does some weird shit on there, like spray tans his face and stuff like that. So, you know, you you want to see this? It's it's disgustingly it's disgustingly beautiful, Alan, and I, I I love watching it. So, um, yeah, just everyone give him a follow on there, and yeah, it's been good having a chat with you again, Alan. We'll be doing more challenges like that, a few crazy videos, and then we also talk about Celtic as well. So you have a bit of both. You have a bit of my personal life, and then you also have a bit of Celtic as well. So it's a bit of fun, a bit of both. Happy days. Yeah. That's what we like. How hail, everyone. Uh-huh.